Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. With me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's Doug Tilly. Number one super guy. Mo, I can't help but notice that you don't sound your normal perky self today on No Budget Nightmares. Oh man, I'm sick as a fucking dog. Now, uh, for anyone keeping track, <laughs> long-time listeners, this might be the 12th or 15th episode where Mo has been feeling a little rough when we've been recording. Yeah, I don't... Uh, yeah. Maybe there's something in your microphone that's giving you this, uh, this horrible disease, or maybe your immune system is just fucked. Could it be from the vaping, Mo? I've been reading some literature from the, uh, <laughs> from the cigarette companies. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> no, well, I have I have a very good idea of, as to what it is, and and I have a feeling it won't be an issue for much longer. What? That sounds um, cryptic. Cryptic, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. I I won't pry any further. It sounds rather personal. Mo, this is a very super amazingly special episode of No Budget Nightmares because it's why Halloween. Halloween. Everybody scream! That's right. It's the Halloween episode of our mostly horror-related podcast, which is the most special episode of the year. It's like Christmas for horror, don't you think? I do. Mm-hmm. And when uh, when it, I was saying on on maybe some other podcast, or maybe it was this one. In fact, I think it was our most recent episode. <laughs> <laughs> when I was saying that that people act on Halloween like we act the rest of the year, right? It kind yeah. of brings all of our community together. Yeah, it's totally yeah, exactly. And we wanted to do something special for our No Budget Nightmares Halloween episode, so we decided to cover a movie that is very appropriate for the season so th- this is what we decided to do as like a special treat for halloween uh-huh that's yeah. what we did god we're assholes we could have done all sorts of things right because there are, yeah. the, the, the fact is there's no shortage of horror movies that take place around halloween one that springs to mind is halloween <laughs> but we can't really do halloween actually we probably could do the first halloween and it wouldn't be too much of a stretch but we're too cool for that we're too cool for school. Well, give, given some of the other movies we've turned down because we thought they'd be too much of a stretch, I would say if we did the original Halloween, that would be too much of a stretch. I suppose that's fair. But, I yeah. mean, we, it's not like we have any hard and set rules. Uh, but if we did have a hard and set rule, it probably would be movies that have made over $100 million. <laughs> <Do not apply. laughs> but we decided to do 1991's Haunted Ween yeah. Not, not yeah. Halloween, don't be confused Not Halloween, but Haunted Ween Directed by um, <laughs> Directed by Doug Robertson Back in 1991 In fact, my understanding is 
It was actually maybe directed a couple of years before that, and it took a few years to finish. Uh, if you want to get yourself a copy of Haunted Ween, it's actually available on a special 20th anniversary edition on DVD with a ton of special features and commentaries and whatnot. Really? Or, yeah, absolutely. Okay. You seem a little surprised. I have to say, uh, Mo and I, um, talking to you now, the listeners, we haven't discussed our opinion at all. In fact, we've oh. had very little contact recently, so we don't know how each other feels about this movie, but I'm getting an impression Maybe just from your attitude, Mo, that maybe Haunted Ween did not tickle your fancy. No, I don't even know if that's necessarily the case. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it when we start the movie. Right. Up, but uh, I, I, I just found it a little surprising that that this has like a like an extra special edition on DVD. That just doesn't make doesn't seem appropriate. Well. It doesn't take much to have a special edition on DVD. As yeah, I guess I that's true. <laughs> but uh, but I, in an interview I was reading with Doug Robertson, who actually never went on to make any other films after Haunted Ween, uh, he, he spent something like, I think, five or $6,000 bringing the movie to DVD so, uh, and, and managed to make his money back, though not much more than that. Huh. So I guess, I guess there was you know, a, a small but dedicated audience of haunted ween enthusiasts, which uh, actually in, in, involve some of our listeners here on No Budget Nightmares who recommended this movie to us. Ooh. I uh, know. And I must mention once again, the tagline on the IMDb for haunted ween is when fantasy becomes a deadly reality because they've spelled the word fantasy wrong. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. There's a there's kind of a, a late motif here on No Budget Nightmares of people spelling easy words, <laughs> easy phrases incorrectly. <laughs> but... Uh, we won't linger on that. There's a couple of things I got to bring up quickly, Mo, before we jump into our Halloween special movie this week. Go for it. First things first, we have had some new Patreon uh, contributors, and I really want to put a big thanks out there for Tori Haas and Matt Everman, two massive fans of No Budget Neighbors who have been so kind to not only contribute their time, but also some of their money towards the cause, the general cause of us putting on this show. Uh, they, uh, they've both been... In, uh, Enthusiastic and also contributing on the No Budget Nightmares Facebook group. You know, it's always good to see people contributing there, but also, you know, wanting more from us. They, everyone wants more, Mo. That's why you're pushed to the limit. That's why your immune system is shutting down. Yeah, that's that's why I'm 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 forced to do an episode every two to three weeks. <laughs> two to three, or sometimes four weeks. <laughs> four weeks. <yeah. laughs> Watch a movie. Why the fuck would I what do the that? Fuck, man. I need more recovery time after the last one. <laughs> but Matt and Tori, we love you guys very much, and I apologize that I'm going to have to move on from mentioning something so nice, something such a positive thing as you two, Tori and Matt, to move on to something that isn't so positive, Mo. Oh God! I know it's a. Uh, I I hate to I hate to bring up bad news on no budget nightmares. I really do. I tend to be a positive person, which in fact is is what I'm going to refer to right now is the problem. Do you know what I'm talking about, Mo? I don't. Well, here's the thing. About 12 days ago, from that oh, time we were recording. <laughs> never mind. I know exactly what you're talking about. Now. <laughs> about 12 days ago, Mo and I received a message from a fan of the podcast and you might not know this listeners but we actually love getting messages from fans i wish you know every one of you listening right now should go over to our no budget uh, nightmares website over at nobudgetpodcast.com and send us a message it goes to both of us it's really fun and someone they felt compelled to go over to the website and leave us a message and i'm just going to read it i'm not going to 
name the person. I'm not that kind of asshole. But I'm just going to read it very quickly. <clears throat> the person says, You guys, I love, love, love this show. So far, so good. That's me interjecting right there. <laughs> but for fuck's sake, Doug, that's me. You put a major annoyance on the show with sounding like a maniacally laughing rabid hyena. Can you not rein yourself in at all? And Mo, how can you even get through these podcast eps with Doug inanely giggling all the fucking time? Other than the silly giggling, I like you as well, Doug. But come on, man. Yeah, sounds like somebody's a Mo fan out there. Well, I mean, I can't blame anyone for being a fan of you, Mo. But I like to think that the people who listen to the show, look, they might lean one way or the other, but there should be kind of a complex love that that spreads throughout both of us. It's a love of both of us. Mm-hmm. This, and even though this person does end this message by saying that they like me as well, yeah. much of the message seems to be very critical of my approach to podcasting. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's just that you laugh like an, an insane... The fact that I laugh like a hyena is beside the point. That's true. <laughs> I've been doing that since the beginning. You really have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, now they want me to change? I can't. Like, we were really bad when we first started, or I should say that I was pretty bad in terms of my podcasting etiquette, right? There were a lot more ums and ahs, we, a lot more pauses, that sort right. of thing. Right. But, so I think we've refined our style since then. But I've locked in. I can't, I can't go back. <laughs> so the laughing has to stay, so I feel bad for this person who shall remain nameless. Who, If that's your real name. Now, I, I suppose, person... I could make more of an effort to edit out my maniacal laughter from the podcast, but I just don't want to spend that much time doing it. That's a, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. So maybe, and I'm just throwing this out to you, listener, you should recommend to us some movies that are I'm not going to find so amusing. And that shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> and, in fact, we've got a good start right here today. <laughs> but my problem is... Everything we do is so goddamn hilarious that I can't not laugh. So this is – I'm actually positing a, a responsibility to you, Mo. You to need be, to okay. stop me if I laugh too much. You need to, to be a representative of this person and say, Doug, cut it down a notch or two or three. Maybe we'll come up with like a code word, you know, like, yeah. a, like a safe word to know that you're doing it too much. Like, I'll just be like, uh, Titwillow, you know, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Or it could be something like, stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a much better secret code. Do you know what happens when you don't stop laughing? You go That's to hell. A- that's, well, okay. I was, I was referencing Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but you I took know. it a little bit further. I know. I, um, went, I went evil with it. They went to heaven. Remember, they had angels' wings and everything. Yes. You die. But with that nastiness out of the way, let's move on to some other nastiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 1991's Haunted Ween, Mo. Now, I just want to jump back to our most recent episode, Killer Clowns from Kansas on Crack. Yep. Uh, I, the feedback that I got from listeners from that show was that they were sorry that we had to watch that movie. They weren't the only ones sorry. <laughs> but I do have to say that you know we watch a really large variety of kind of material here on No Budget Nightmares. I understand, Mo, that you might have complex feelings towards Haunted Ween, but one thing we should make clear right from the beginning, this is a much more technically adept movie than Killer Clowns from Kansas on Crack. Oh, yeah, 100%. 
This was shot on 16 millimeter. It looks like it had a reasonable budget, even though there's some um, uh, amateur talent in front of the camera. It, it's really not much worse looking or, or acting-wise than a lot of the slasher movies in 1980s. Wait, are you trying to tell me that Hank wasn't, like, Shakespearean? Uh, uh... <laughs> That's Hank's. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about Hank's. But, uh, but, you know, in terms of the way that this movie looks, it actually is several notches above most of the movies that we watch on No Budget Nightmares, even though it was still made for a very low budget. And... We also have to make it very clear up front that this is a slasher movie, and it takes the form that you expect out of a slasher movie. It's sort of, um, it sort of has most of its action near the end. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, of material before that. But if you are used to slasher movies and you like that style, then you might get more pleasure out of this than I did because I'm not a big fan of slasher movies. I don't mind slasher movies. I, you know. Whatever. I, I I didn't say I mind them, though. I just said I'm not a big fan. Oh. I don't mind nothing know-how. <laughs> Haunted Ween from 1991. Haunted Ween begins, as you may expect, <laughs> with a POV grainy shot of a house. And in fact, we also get several times throughout the movie titles on the screen giving us an indication of where things are taking place. Now, this movie was filmed in Kentucky. And you can know that because it says it on one of these titles, but also because everyone, I don't want to make anyone angry who's listening, but everyone in Kentucky sounds like they're fucking idiots, right? Right? Right, we all know this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to do a quick think in my head. Do I know anybody from Kentucky? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we have I, some listeners. I don't think Kentucky. I do. Yeah, they're morons. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, no. no don't, you're going a little far. We're not saying they're morons. No, no, I'm saying they sound like... They sound like morons. Yeah. They sound like they're fucking dumb shit, fuckwit, yep. assholes. <laughs> wow, wow, I got a little more judgy than I was expecting. But anyway, this movie takes place in Kentucky, and everyone sounds like a fucking idiot in it. Night of Haunted Ween is when it starts. And in fact, they keep referring to Halloween as Haunted Ween. Why do they do that, Mo? Um, because they don't have the rights. You can say Halloween. Yeah, I don't I, think you can copyright I, the word. I don't know. But what we have they're is... Trying be, they're trying to make it their own thing. Right. And in fact, all we get is a little intro thing saying that's in Kentucky. We see a guy in a mask sort of chasing a young girl. And then we see that the guy pulls off the mask and it's a young boy, a la Halloween, the movie that we were just referring to. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and uh, this isn't as derivative of that movie as you actually might think as we go forward. And that jumps right into the Haunted Ween titles, Mo. And what did you think of the titles? Oh, I don't remember a goddamn thing about the titles. <laughs> They were sort of written in Comic Sans in our version, uh, which I thought was a little strange. Why? Well, it's, it looks a little um, uh, cheap. In 1991, Comic Sans was like the, <laughs> the greatest thing ever. That's true. Oh, and the other thing about the opening title. Every middle-aged mother in the world was printing up dozens and dozens of church <laughs> breakfast flyers in Comic Sans. <laughs> On Print Shop Pro. On Print Shop 1. Pro, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the the music that plays behind the opening title credits is a clear riff on the Halloween theme. Oh, it's yeah. Just, yeah. And, I mean, that's that, that was almost – I would be surprised if there wasn't something like that. The most surprising thing is that the music for the rest of the movie isn't really like that at all. There's a lot of rock music. Right, Mo? It's not bad. It's not bad. In fact, it has a uh, a theme, uh, like a, 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 yeah. a song that plays over the closing credits that we'll hear in just a little bit. Oh, yeah. So – 
Then the movie does one of those things that I really don't like in movies, though I'm not blaming this one. I've just been burned out on it, where it moves two hours earlier from the action that we saw before the credits. Yeah, why, why waste my time with that shit? I mean, fuck's well, sake. Especially because the material before the credits wasn't really very... It's not, it's not like, oh my god, what was that? We don't even really know what's happening. It wasn't like a, a gory murder or something like that. So what is happening here, just to give you an idea, listeners, is that there's a haunted house. It's called the House of Horror. Welcome to the House of Horrors. Yes, and in fact, they have one of those pitchmen type people, you know, playing it up as really throngs of young people are heading in towards this haunted house. Yeah. And we ha- on the, at the entranceway, there's a person sort of greeting everyone in a monster mask, and it's a kid. It's, uh, it is actually the kid from earlier, the same mask. Uh, and he's reading uh, an, an issue of Famous Monsters of Filmland. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, we do get a, a sense that he has a relationship with some of the people in town. Uh, there's a, a, a big car full of college students. Uh, they, they reference the fact that he, the kid knows the signify handshake. Um, and then they kind of just all head in. He's basically, I mean, he's a good distance away from the haunted house. I love the, uh, I love the, the, the handshake because it's just a handshake. <laughs> yeah, I know the secret yeah. handshake. And then, and then like everybody's like, so like, whoa, like he knows the handshake. It's just a hand. Like they literally just go whoop, whoop you know, like up and down <laughs> like twice and handshake. There is not a strong impression that there's something wrong with Eddie, this young guy here. Uh, though the sheriff does stop by briefly, and Eddie basically just stares at him. Yeah. Um, and um, it, and then really that's all there is to it in terms of a suggestion that there might be something off. But as we will soon learn, there is something kind of screwy. One thing I kind of like about this movie is that it doesn't delve into the background of this character at all. I mean, we get him as a kid here, right? But we don't know why he's fucked up. We don't really figure it out at all. Yeah, it's never explained. No, and that's fine. I'm cool with that. You know, I've had too much explanation in recent years. This this kid's just evil, or maybe yeah. he's fucked up. This, or, this, or this movie would have suffered a lot with a ridiculous amount of backstory ex- exposition. Yeah, it moves at it. I actually kind of like the pace that the movie moves at. But I do want to talk about something with you, Mo, because I'm sure that this is an issue you have with the movie, and it's one that I had trouble with, and they just sort of introduced it, which is this movie, and let me just tell you a basic summary of the plot is, it will jump ahead a few years in just a minute, is about a uh, a college fraternity who have not paid their fees. Mm-hmm. So they need to, first they, they throw a party, and then they throw a haunted house in order to raise funds. Yeah, This fraternity, think about all of those movies in the 80s with fraternities, right? And they have the slobby one, and then they have the preppy one. This movie wants us to enjoy the preppy one. <laughs> It seems like it's the preppy side of things yeah. that we're supposed to be supporting. They're all like attractive, and they're all just you know they they don't take anything seriously, and they right. It, it just I have been taught by movies to enjoy the schlubs and the nerds. This movie wants me to like the popular, at least seemingly wealthy kids. Why would I do that? Yeah, never. The in any other movie, these guys would be the bad guys. And this isn't. And you might be thinking this, listeners, that. We might be expected because there's a lot of slasher movies like this. Oh, yeah, they're assholes. So we want to see them killed, and that's going to be the fun. But the fact is, no, this movie wants us to relate and sympathize with these characters. Yeah. Uh, and when they start to die, we're actually supposed to be, oh, no, I hope they fight back against this hulking killer for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, Me- meanwhile, we're all sitting there like, good, get him. That's right, get yeah. him. 
But uh, we'll get back to all of that in just a second. First, we need to get to the horror. You see, Eddie, uh, he leaves his post at the front of the haunted uh, area, and he goes into the house because um, right before he did that, uh, a car stopped, and uh, a girl who seemed to recognize him, a young girl, the one right from the beginning, mm-hmm. she, uh, he knows that she's going into the haunted house. So she, the young girl, is going through the house. In fact, uh, she doesn't seem too impressed by the whole thing. She has a, uh, a very brief encounter with someone who's supposed to be scary, and it sounds like this. You're not very scary. I like how the guy said yeah. boo with an accent. Boo! 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 Uh, and he wasn't very scary. Uh, <laughs> no, nothing but... about that original house was <laughs> scary at all. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Kentucky accents are scary to certain people. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So the girl ends up getting lost in this haunted house. Eddie finds her, and he kind of drags her away, gestures her to follow him. Right. And as he's doing that, all the rest of the people who are in the haunted house, they leave. Uh, this girl's named Katie, by the way, the young girl. Her mother calls for her briefly. Um, and... Then we end up right back where we were at the very beginning. And this is Eddie in the room with Katie. He chases her around the room a little bit. And now you need to explain something to me, Mo. Sure. What happens to Katie? Um, can I say something be- quick before that? Yes. We're seven minutes or like eight minutes into the movie. And we already have reused footage. <laughs> like... Like, th- like that turned me off to this movie so quick. It took so long for me to get back into wanting to, like, actually pay attention to this movie because they did that. It drove me nuts. The end. So so <laughs> what, e- what ends up happening to Katie is somehow she ends up backing herself through a giant wood spike. Yeah, she impales herself on a piece of wood. Yeah. She does it by herself, right? She does yeah, yeah. It by... he doesn't do anything to her, not yet at least. She does it, as you Americans sometimes say, on accident. <laughs> yeah, stupid Americans say that. <laughs> so, uh, so Eddie, of course, is very shocked by the fact that this has happened, and he does what anyone would do in this situation. He has, he the, noticed... mo- he, he has the most appropriate reaction to this situation ever. He has a machete in his hand, and he where that came her... where that came from. I have no idea. Well, I mean, they're probably laying all over the place in there, and he cuts her head off. Just, I mean, we we don't really see it. No, we, he just gets splattered with the blood, and yeah, blah, blah, blah. but uh, but he basically finishes her off. But it is a very interesting setup because he did not actually cause her death. I mean, he was chasing her around the room, right. but there's there's sort of a well, I should say he did cause her death. <laughs> Oh yeah, he yeah. Cut, he cut her head off, and she was still alive, and then she was dead. Right. But like, it started with an accident. So what happens from there is, like you said, all the blood squirts over him. He runs out of the haunted house and sort of collapses into a field. Uh, the, the the sense of time passing, and then a woman comes and picks him up, and she says, "Eddie, we need to get away for a while." Right. And that's the setup of the entire movie. And we jump twenty years into the future after that. Ooh. And 20 years later, a guy is chopping wood outside a cabin. And uh, and inside, an older woman is doing dishes. It seems pretty serene. And I have to say, uh, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone listening, the, the, the woman that we see washing dishes is the mother. Uh, Eddie, a grown-up Eddie, is the person chopping wood. They've basically been living, I guess, in the woods for 20 years. No indication that he's been violent during that time. Maybe it was just like one of those traumatic things. Maybe he's okay. Maybe he's been killing small woodland creatures, and we, we what, don't know. 
May- yeah, maybe he's torturing cats. We just don't know. Yeah, I know I torture cats. Okay, but this uh, woman, the mother, she comes out, <laughs> calls for Eddie, and then she grabs her chest. Oh, no. Yeah, and not in a lascivious, yeah, attractive yeah, way. Yeah, not, not in a, like a Chesty Morgan sort of way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't take a photo with her chest. <laughs> no, she has a heart attack or a coronary or something like that. Yeah. And uh, Eddie comes over and he finds her collapsed. Very tragic. I mean, it really is. Uh, and there's like blood coming from her head because I guess when she fell, she also smashed her head open, well, yeah. which is very much a double whammy. And uh, Eddie reacts to this happening just like we all would react in a situation like this. No, Mama. <laughs> Mama. No! No! Yeah, it does echo like that. <laughs> well, he is in the middle of the woods. Yeah, uh, he's I should in the mention- middle of nowhere. I should mention that we never really, after uh, he gets older, we don't get a look at Eddie's face until the very end of the movie. Yeah, it's and it's funny because, like, when when they do finally show it, not that I'm giving anything away, you you almost expect it to be like some kind of big reveal, and it's nothing. Like it's not like we knew who this guy was. Like he right. was secretly hiding in the town all along, or anything like that. And in fact, by the time we see him, it's already he's suffered an injury, so he already looks different than he would have looked anyway. Right. Just... He said he should just look like a normal guy. Yeah, and he does. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Ridiculous. He does. Ridiculous. I guess he's a little taller than a normal guy, but whatever. Whatever. So uh, he carries her body, uh, the mother's body, into like a van, and he goes, it's time to go home, Mama. And that, you know what that means. Time for some funky rock music at Regaz, Kentucky's Top Hill State College. I don't know. Oh, God, I'm glad I'm glad that, that, you, <laughs> that you said the name because my, uh, my program here um, auto-corrected Top Hill to Topsoil for some reason. <laughs> Topsoil State College. It would have been so much funnier. And we jump right into a big frat party. And we know it's a frat party because people are doing bear bongs and they're burping. Like they're burping right in the camera mode. Yeah. Like I'll tell you, these kids, now that they're away from their parents and they're getting a bit wild, they get to drink beer and burp all they want. Yeah. Now I should mention I should mention that most of the people in this fraternity appear to be in their mid forties. <laughs> yeah, 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 everybody looks looks pretty young. Or but old, I think old, I, I mean. And they all look very nineteen ninety, right around that time period. You know, you know how people looked right before Yeah, right before yeah. the fashion changed. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I think universally we all agree that 1990-91 was just about the worst time for pop culture that has ever happened. Except for rap uh, music. Yeah, well, I mean, but they, they were almost... Early 90s party rap is the best. I should say, early 90s white culture oh, yeah. is the worst it's goddamn the thing. The worst. Mm-hmm. And it it took a real uh, uh, a real revolution in order to change that. Uh, so these people... worse. These people are all pre that, so they're all wearing their chip and pepper and whatnot. Um, remember those chip and pepper shirts where if you put your hand on them, it would change color? Oh, yeah, right. Right? Chip and pepper. Do you remember chip and pepper? I, not off the top of my head, but I know the, like, the color change shirt things, ridiculousness. Well, chip and pepper were brothers, and they designed clothes, like those color change shirts, but they also hosted the cartoon block on NBC back in the early 90s. Whoa. Yeah, I know. That's what the kind of mainstream popularity you could get from designing color change shirts. And I looked up a couple of years ago. Apparently, they're still like really wealthy because they design jeans now. Whoa. 
I know. A lot, a lot of information being spread around on the Halloween episode of No Budget Nightmares. But anyway, this is a party, and you can tell that it's a early 90s party because everyone's allowed to sexually harass women without any consequences. I guess that's sort of like what it's like now. Um, but there's a part where a guy just pours beer all over his girlfriend's shirt. Yeah. Or, or a girl's shirt, I should say. And then this other guy sees that, and he's like, oh, that's a good idea. And so he pours beer over his girlfriend's shirt. Right. <laughs> There's a really a lot of weird conversations in the background. There's a guy who says, I told this guy I was the food inspector, and he gave me all this free food. <laughs> so this is all really fucking dumb, and it looks like a really not very fun party. Oh, yeah. No, I would have been miserable at this party. <laughs> well, then something very important happens. We are introduced to our main character, Kurt. Now, how would you describe Kurt, Mo? Um, Kurt is... That douchebag in every fraternity that you hate. Yeah. He's like the asshole leader of the fraternity. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's played by a guy whose first name is spelled B-R-I-E-N. How do you think you'd pronounce that? Brian? Yeah, I Brain? think that's, it's Brian. What kind of fucking way to spell Brian is that? I didn't say it was a good way to spell Brian, but that is that is how it would be pronounced. Well, this is Kurt, our lead character, and he announces to this fraternity, he goes, brothers, little sisters, because you have to diminish the females in the audience. Of course. Um, (laughs) uh, He is basically announcing that there's a letter from the national headquarters of their fraternity. And we like there's one guy like they couldn't find this letter because some guy used the letter to patch a hole in his shoe, he said. Yeah, that 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 guy who patched the hole in his shoe is the closest thing you're going to get to like. Like the disgusting fat guy, you yeah, know, right. And even he like doesn't isn't particularly gross, right? Not gross enough. I would not say. gross enough. No. So uh, what the letter actually announces to the group is that uh, <laughs> the the fraternity, the national uh, headquarters, requires dues from them. From them, they need another thirty seven hundred dollars because apparently they've only given them seventeen so far. Yeah. But I just sent it. Oh, never mind. Now, the, now, Mo, I've never been in a fraternity, obviously. Me neither. Right. And, and I mean, I, I did go to university, and I re- and my university wasn't big on that sort of thing anyway. But I do have to say, I feel like fraternities are horseshit and, like, bad for society. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, for the most part, sure. Right. And, I mean, it just – and this movie kind of reinforces it. And these particular frat boys – they really seem irresponsible. I mean, maybe I'm just showing my age a little bit, but they really should straighten up, fly right, pay their dues. Take their vitamins, say their prayers. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and then <laughs> and then they'll go to the mountains of madness. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when the group here... do national fraternity. <laughs> so when, when, uh, when the group hears that they owe this money, uh, this is the response of, Everyone's favorite character in the movie, who we'll introduce in just a second. You are currently past due in the amount of $3,700. Man, that is total bullshit. I sent him a check last week. How much? $4. So the only character in the movie with any sort of comic timing. (laughs) That's Hanks. Hanks is the comic relief of the movie, and he sounds like he just fell off the fucking cast of Hee Haw. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, all of that's the, the level of humor for the rest of it. He's still probably the best character in the movie oh, yeah. be- because he's the only one that has any personality at all. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he's great. So they have 30 days to pay this fee or they're going to lose their fraternity. So that's serious, but no one takes it seriously at all. Oh, of course. Uh, 
And Kurt then pretends to be a reverend in front of everybody. Oh, it's the worst. And everyone's laughing their asses off like he's the funniest fucker in the world, even though it's so goddamn dumb oh. and so lame. Uh, and then he, he jokingly suggests that they should all pay $100 each, and then they all throw trash at him. When really they should all throw, spend, give them $100 to pay these fees, and that's what they should do. Right. And then we're introduced to another main character. This is Mel. Mel is Kurt's girlfriend. And uh, she, she immediately comes over and makes out with Kurt. He goes, what was that for? And she goes, I missed you. And he goes, I just saw you this afternoon. And she goes, that's not what I meant. And I don't know what she meant. <laughs> I, think, I think she needed a little bit of the, uh, the Kurt dong action. I thought you were going to come up with something a little cleverer, a little more less obvious than that it was Don. But yes. Look, man, my brain is like filled with mucus right now. I, I can't come up with anything clever or funny. So here's the thing about Mel as a character. She is very upset that Kurt is spending so much time on his fraternity instead of on her. Right. Like That is her, that is her core personality uh, Development. So de- defining characteristic, yeah. Ab- absolutely, yeah. that is. But it seems like Kurt has not been spending any time on his fraternity because he hasn't spent any money on it. So I guess he just parties all the time. Yeah, that's pretty much what they imply, that all they do is party and that they don't charge people to come to the parties. They just have parties. Yes. Yeah. And the, the hero's journey for Kurt in this movie is that he has to learn to appreciate Mel and what she brings to him in a relationship. Yes. Uh, and she does this, she helps him through this, by breaking up with him and waiting for him to beg her to come back to him. Right. And it works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, so Kurt takes a walk. He actually stops the guy on the way, and he goes, we need to have a meeting in 20 minutes, because he's going to take this seriously, right? He doesn't say 20 uh, minutes. He says, we need a meeting in 10 minutes. Okay, ten minutes. And then he looks, that, and then he looks back at Mel, and looks back at him, and again he goes, "Make that twenty minutes." Oh, that's right, because he's gonna fuck her. Yeah, right. With his Kurt Dong, which 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 he doesn't do, <laughs> which he doesn't do. Yeah. And in fact, we do get a really fucking horrible joke now, where Hanks is looking at this, um, he's looking at this woman who is not attractive, right? And then he drinks beer, and then it, we get the, his like point of view, and suddenly she's attractive. It's like beer goggles. Yeah. Well, was that Hanks or was that the beer bong guy? Oh, maybe it was the beer bong guy. Yeah, I think guy. it was the beer bong guy, because my notes say the beer bong guy has some serious beer goggles going on. Well, my notes have something very mean where it says, an ugly woman morphs into a slightly different ugly woman. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just my opinion on the subject. Yeah. Hey, it was the early 90s. Uh, so Kurt and Mel are chatting outside, and she, uh, she actually mentions what I was just saying, where she thinks he's been ignoring her right. a lot lately. And he says that being president... It's a hard job. It takes a lot of work. So, and in fact, she tells a story about him having to leave their vacation together, uh, and and it just seems like she's really jealous of his uh, of his friends. And th- doesn't he say something like, "My friends are a lot cooler than your friends"? Uh, yeah, he's he's a dick. <laughs> he's a fucking asshole. Like, like and- even at the end, where you're supposed to have sympathy for him, you you just re- you're reminded back to what the shit he says earlier in the movie, at well, m- normal people would be. And uh, and you're just like, no, I don't give a shit about you being hurt. I, you're an asshole. So they, she expresses her love to him. And when this happens, he fucks up his line. He tries to come in a little early. And they leave it in the movie. And it sounds like this. Everyone listen up. But I love you. 
Even if you do ignore me half the time. I'll try harder. So that's that, yeah. So there actually isn't a lot of fuck-ups left in the movie in this case. It's a fairly well-made movie. Yeah, right? the sound surprisingly is, the sound, so. Yeah. The sound is really good. Like, it's, it's, it, it sounds like a movie. It looks, you know, because it's 16 millimeter. it looks like a movie mm-hmm. for a traditional audience. Um, so what uh, Kurt does to kind of save face to, to repair the relationship is uh, that he says that they're going to go together they're going to go somewhere just the two of them get away from this whole fraternity business and uh and then they go back inside so that's what they're going to do so then the meeting happens the meeting that we just mentioned that was going to take 20 minutes isn't like there's something really weird about this meeting because it seems like it's daytime when it's taking place but obviously the party was happening at night so how <laughs> i just feel... <laughs> got to go back in town <laughs> oh that's timely I know. Well, it was when we were recording this. <laughs> um, so they're in, in the meeting, they're trying to come up with ideas and how they're going to uh, raise money. It, this is a fucking awful scene where everyone's suggesting, "Let's have a car wash. Let's steal a car and sell it." Yeah, it's like all of their all of their ideas basically involve ripping people off or robbing yeah. places. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they even ask Kurt to ask his dad. Who it's, they suggest that his his dad is very wealthy, and uh, because they haven't paid back his dad on all the previous loans they've done, that he can't do it. Which is just, I mean, it just makes him look like complete fucking asshole. Yeah, right, exactly. Because now it's like, not only do we realize that like he they don't pitch in towards their actual dues, but now they owe other people money that they haven't paid back. It's just seems like like a bunch of assholes. And right, I, so they just, except Hanks wrote that letter. Uh, to the national, uh, or what was it to? What, who did he write the letter to? Which letter? The one where it's like uh, he wrote them a letter, and it's like, uh, "Dear whomever, we're out of money. Sorry." <laughs> yeah. I'm not actually sure who he wrote the letter to. Um, but what happens in the scene is that Hanks comes up with a great idea to have a party, you know, like they just had last right, night. Right, right. <laughs> but then charge people to be in it, like charge them like three bucks a head, and that's how they will raise enough to uh, to pay their fees. And I guess... Um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, there's the idea that Hanks is going to be in charge of this party. Right, right. And, but, and Kurt's apprehensive at first because he doesn't like the idea of charging people for a party. <laughs> Right. Which is weird because given his, you know, given his background and his wardrobe, you know, you could pretty much just tell from that character he should have no problem taking people's money from them. <laughs> He's the kind of guy who has like a greed is good tattoo yeah, on his right, arm. Exactly, you know? <laughs> and in fact, if that's not reinforced enough, we suddenly, um, we suddenly switch to the fact that Kurt and, and Jack, who's one of the other guys who are in there, it doesn't matter. They go to pick up Melanie. So Kurt can take her for their day together. And he's driving a fucking Corvette. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that guy. (laughs) So then it uh, cuts to their time together. Mel and Kurt are sunbathing on a pier. Um, And he's like rubbing oil on her back and good for them. And they're relaxing and I guess everything is hunky-dory. But then like a big fucking boat pulls up. Yeah, and it's, it's the frat guys. It's all the frat guys and and some topless women on this boat, <laughs> and they're basically just announcing that they've got the party in hand. I guess right. Yeah, it's like so. So everybody found out that he was bringing Mel up to the lake, and they're like, "We're gonna go up to the lake too." 
<laughs> right. Even though the one thing that he really didn't want them to do was to bother him. Exactly. While he was the... exactly. That said, Kurt did not ask for this to happen. Kurt, right. even though he's an asshole, in this particular situation, this is not his fault. Also, they're only there for like five seconds and then they just drive off again. So it shouldn't have interrupted their time together, but Mel gets super pissed about this. Yeah, well, you know, she seems uppity. Whoa. <laughs> I don't like I, I thought I thought I like I didn't understand like why he was trying so hard to stay with her anyway. She seemed awful. They both of them seem pretty awful. Yeah, but So that's she, fun so, for our main character. But she somehow <laughs> makes him look less awful. Yes. Yeah. Uh so so he recommends that they take a drive to the other side of the lake because that would mean that there's no chance I guess of running into all the frat people. Yeah, cuz they they cuz they're not on a boat or anything. <laughs> they certainly can't go to the other side of the lake right. <laughs> You think the, the best place to stay would be right where they are Because what's the odds that they're just going to come back So uh, then we get a little bit of driving footage With some uh, crazy rock music in the background And that's when all of the strands in this movie Come together at once Ooh. Because they drive by the old Is it Berber house? Yeah, I, I don't know I, st- I, I just kept writing House of Horrors so they, they drive by the house from the very beginning of the movie, the haunted house, and they refer to it, I think, as the old Berber house. It's the old Berber house. Uh, yeah, and so, so um, Kurt actually remembers it from when he was a kid, and they drive by it to have a little look around. Um, they're wearing super 90s clothes as they're doing this. Okay. Like He's wearing like these shorts, and yeah. Um, so we, we actually get a shot... Of of what I thought at first was like a mutated person watching them from inside the house. That's what I thought too, and then I realized yeah. this is a fucking mask. It's just it's just a mask, right? It's just Eddie inside. Uh, I guess he went back home, just like he said. Yeah. So they start snooping around this old house because he's like really curious about a Curtis, and like she's trying the door, and he's looking in through the window. And he has the strangest reaction, and I I love this. It's the only thing I like that Kurt says in the entire movie, so let's listen. Damn. (laughs) Mel, I got an idea. This would make a great haunted house for a Sigma Phi fundraiser. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just like he starts with damn and ends with yeah. As 90s as it gets right there. So, you know, you know, they do have a frat house that they could turn into a haunted house fairly easily. Right. I don't know why you need an old dilapidated house. It seems like it would be a lot more work. No, exactly, because... exactly. It was. It would be way more work to turn this old house uh, with Bob Vila into uh, <laughs> into a haunted house when they have a house they could do it just super easy with. Especially because at this point. They don't have permission to use right, this house. Exactly. And they're going to be raising money doing this, which could draw all sorts of attention right. that they don't want. Exactly. So uh, there is a kind of really neat scare here where Mel is like walking by one of the windows and we see the mask staring out and then she looks back and it's not there anymore. Very traditional horror movie scare, but I thought it actually worked pretty well. Yeah, it was it wasn't bad. I mean I wouldn't call it a scare, but yeah, it was uh it was it was a fun little little thing. It's not a very scary movie. Oh, the movie's not so, scary at all. <laughs> so then Mel manages to cut her hand on a screen, on like a metal screen. Uh, and uh, we get another scare, Mo, because right after she does that, a hand grabs her shoulder, but it's just Kurt. Yeah. Yeah, he needed to just fucking grab her shoulder instead of saying, hey, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so they take off so she can get her hand looked at. 
and we also see a hand reach down and touch her blood, Ooh. and that's Eddie. That's Eddie, because Eddie's around at all times. Which is so funny, because like the whole the front door of the house is like locked up and chained, but the back door is just open. <laughs> they don't decide to go in and check it out at all. Not at all. <laughs> so the rest of the movie has really been set up at this point. We have two things that are going to happen. A party, a fairly superfluous party, actually, and then the haunted house. And that is going to be the action for the rest of but, the movie. But really... You know, aren't the best parties the superfluous ones? Uh, sh- y- yes. Uh, in real life, yes. Yeah. In movies, no, not so not much. <laughs> there should be no wasted moments in the running time of a movie. So we jump right into the party. It is rocking and rolling thanks to uh, a band called The Side. Ooh, the Side. And The Side plays kind of new wavy rock music. I like they're it. Not, they're not they were... bad. Yeah. I mean, compared to what it could have no, been. No, that's different. exactly what I said in my notes. I said they're not great, but it could be way worse. So then Hanks is at this party because he helped organize it. And he's dressed as a butler from like his waist up. But below that, he's wearing shorts. Like ne- what a wacko. Neon orange, very early 90s, like fucking surfer shorts. Yeah, and uh, a woman arrives at the door, and her name is Donna, and she is going to be his love interest for the rest of the movie. Not that it makes any fucking difference. He tells a shitload of horrible jokes yeah. about about how his father has a money farm where he grows... Uh, I don't even want to finish that sentence. <laughs> $10 bills on trees. Uh, I should also say at this point, this is a very... this. If I had to describe this movie, it would be very white... <laughs> There's like there is no people of color in the movie oh, at all. No. Uh and this party is just a bunch of white people. Yep. So that's what was happening at this time period. <laughs> uh Mel is there at the party and she's talking to her friend about Kurt and her friend recommends uh that she dump Kurt. I and, I get uh, such a kick out of this scene because she the friend goes, "How long have we been friends for now?" And Mel's like, seven weeks." But she's been dating Kurt for 6 months. <laughs> you know, so so you're taking life advice from this person you've known for like half the time you've been dating the guy you're with. I like that when the breakup happens, it happens off screen, yeah. but this was left on screen. Um, there's also a really strange sequence where three. You might have to explain this one to me, Mo. Like, there's people are showing off their skills of like swallowing a cigarette, like to flick it into their own tongue. Yep. And uh, and one guy is not very good at it, but then three girls, they do it all at the same time. And it's like, wow, those girls can eat cigarettes. Yeah, I think it has to do with, like, their mouth prowess. Yeah, I mean, you know, what would have been better is, like, tying a cherry stem or something like that. Well, yeah, but that takes time. Yeah, and also... This one they could just do it as a quick throwaway gag. That's a weird erotic thing, too, because it's like, I don't want anyone to tie my dick in a knot. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So that skill does not apply to what I want. No. Uh, <laughs> I, however, long for women to tie my dick into a knot. So <laughs> so what happens at this party? And I thought that this is where the, the party was going to go. I thought that they were going to run, like, throw this party, but they weren't going to be able to keep the money because Hanks is a fucking idiot, and he ends up accidentally letting in people who are under 18 right. into the party. Because this sequence of events happens. Three very young-looking girls arrive, and they have this conversation with Hanks. Can we come into the party? Are you girls over 18? I'm talking years, Jeez. not days. Are you under 18? Yes. yes. $3 each. Come on in. Come on in. 
There is no fallout at all from him inviting these underage girls into the party. Nope, it's a, it's a total throwaway joke. Yep, yep. Uh, in a uh, <laughs> in a movie filled yes. with throwaway everything. So so they the, the that's another fucked up thing. They actually almost make enough at this party to pay what they need to pay. So really, they they don't need they they could you think just throw another party. Charge on that one as well, and then they'd have all the money they need. But, but instead, well, they're going to do the. Well, the, I don't. Th- I don't think that's entirely true because they make you know because immediately after Hanks lets the uh, the girls in, uh, one of the other brothers comes up and asks for money to buy a new keg. Right, that's you true. know, and the guy and Hanks is like, every time somebody comes through the door, you ask for more money to buy to buy a new keg, and they have this whole conversation about it. And then Hanks says something to the effect of, and this either just proves that he's really, really bad at math, which I know is an ongoing <laughs> joke through the whole movie, um, or that he's incredibly stupid. But he says they only need another 1,100 people uh, to, to make their goal, which means that, which means that they've raised, uh, I mean, if the math is accurate, it means they've raised something like, Three hundred dollars. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. They barely made any money at all. <laughs> uh, now, uh, in, if in case you're wondering how this connects to the rest of the movie, uh, a van does show up, and someone gets out of it, and it's of course Eddie. He comes to the front door and has a conversation with Hanks, where he gives him the keys to the Berber house. I actually really like the voice. Yeah, of Eddie. They ADR on for Eddie. It's it's. It really works. Yeah, and in fact, I guess if you weren't going to show his face, then you better give him a really strong yeah, voice like yeah. that. He also gives Hanks the secret handshake, because you remember when he was a kid, he knew the secret handshake? Exactly. And that's the only reason that that handshake part at the beginning is in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, he's got to prove he was and, once a brother. Yeah, Which, no which is ironic, because um, there's no brothers in this movie. That's that's true. <laughs> yeah, because because um, that's right. Because the 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 Eddie as he leaves, he goes, "I hope you make lots and lots of money." And he goes, "Good luck, brother." That's right with his with his creepy right. voice. So um, Hanks tells Kurt about the key, uh, and then uh, it's funny because Kurt is actually like going after Mel because he realizes something's wrong. Hanks tells him about the key, and he immediately gets distracted and doesn't give a shit about Mel anymore. Yeah, right. And then we cut to the next day after the party, where all the frat guys are heading out to the house to the Berber house, and they're chatting about it. One of the guys thinks that the key is bullshit, which I guess, considering how randomly it was thrust towards them, uh, it uh, it would be likely that it's uh, bullshit. And we found out that Mel broke up with Kurt. During, I guess, during the party the night before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and someone says, "What if she's seeing someone else?" And he goes, "I'm fine with that." He's fine if she's seeing someone sure. else. It's literally like eight hours since he got broken yeah, up. Yeah, he's with. like, "I'm over it." Wait, she does end up seeing someone else, mm-hmm. but we're going to talk about this guy when we get yeah. to him. So uh, they go, <laughs> they go to the house, and he puts the key in the lock. Like they're they're like kind of fucking around outside. They finally get the door unlocked and then they push it open and the whole door falls, falls off in, the yeah. and they start looking through the house and they all agree that it's pretty creepy which it is because it's a dilapidated old house mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing that this movie has it actually has you know a few locations that they were able to use the house it seems like they had full fucking um permission to do whatever they wanted with it since they probably really did use that as the set for the haunted house later cuz it doesn't look like they had like sets for the rest of it yeah i like um that that's the one that's one of the very few things I can really truly appreciate about this movie is that it's not just all set in one room, you right. know, where they just throw, I mean, no offense, Todd, but they don't just like throw 
trash bags up on the wall or whatever. I was I was gonna say they didn't just find an already existing haunted yeah, house yeah, yeah. and film in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or a haunted attraction, right, I exactly. should say. <laughs> So um, Mel and her friend, I guess, are around as well because what they're having, what they're doing in order to get this place uh, in shape to use it as a haunted attraction is that they have a bunch of people there. They have a bunch of frat brothers and girlfriends and shit, and they're going to – basically, this is like a, a let's clean up the community center type thing. Yeah, and Hanks makes a, another terrible joke where he goes, this place is perfect. Kind of reminds me of myself. Uh-huh. And uh, Hanks also, he's kind of in the lead of getting all this work done. Yeah, because he's and, in uh, charge. Yeah, because so he's going to start a chant with the crowd of, uh, in terms of what they need to make this mm-hmm. happen. Welcome to hell, my friends. Nails. Nails. Paint. Paint. And most important, beer. <laughs> I, love, I love when they cut to the beer one and there's just that big fucking burly dude holding up a keg. <laughs> This dude with this this giant dude with a mustache and he looks ridiculous. But I, yes, the whole he's holding time, up a The whole time I when the second I saw that I said, "Oh man, Rue must have loved that." <laughs> the fucking Magnum PI over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, so then we get a montage, a montage set to montage. a a CD jukebox, just because you need you know these guys are affluent um, for 1991, um, and so they uh, it's just. A montage of people eating chicken, drinking beer, and cleaning up the house. Yeah. And and then that night they have a fire. They have like a fire pit where they're having like a. a... <sighs> Mo, have you ever been to a campfire before? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, some fucking asshole always takes out a guitar. Always. <laughs> I like how so they had someone deliver them a pizza. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> But so some asshole, and when I I don't say this lightly, the guy who plays the guitar and doesn't know how to play it, uh, like at all, and he looks like a fucking asshole. He looks like a total douche. Like there's a part where they ask him to play Freebird, and he he just like he just basically just hits the strings randomly and says some of the lines from Freebird, and I wanted to pull. Um, a John Belushi. <laughs> yeah, I gave my love a cherry. Actually, actually, that reminded me a lot of. Uh, there's a scene in Role Models as well where they're like, "Oh, I don't want to go camping." There's always some j- asshole who doesn't know how to, doesn't quite know how to play the guitar. <laughs> so Hanks, because he is the life of every party, he starts singing a song. That's I guess it's called Rose Colored Glasses. I don't know anything, but I, everyone around this it, it's a real one? song, yeah. It's a oh, yeah, I figure I figured it was a real cl- one. I guess I've never heard song, it. Yeah. Yeah, and of course they all sing along because they're all dumb shit <laughs> fuck face rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> so then they decide that they're gonna tell ghost stories because they're all like twenty years old and that's what people yeah. do. Um and that's when Donna, remember that's Hank's girlfriend, she tells the haunted house story. Ooh. And this this is very similar to that scene in Things where they tell a story, except no one is uh, as fat as a fridge <laughs> in this particular example. But let's uh, let's just hear the background, which is funny. She tells a story that we already know because we've seen yeah, it. We watched it. Yeah. Like. Tell us a true story. Okay. Shut up, Hanks. Was you all know my daddy's the sheriff? Stupid Hanks. <laughs> Authority? We're white. Well, anyway, about 20 years ago on this very property, a little girl was murdered. 
and that haunted house. Bom, bom, bom. Hey, I'm serious. Well, yeah, it sounds like a great place for families to go and die. Night, they found a little girl in one of those rooms. They found her head cut off and a monster and impaled beside it. Blood was everywhere. Oh my. The people get murdered all the time. I'm not finished. Especially open houses. Anyway, in Kentucky, the father who owned this house disappeared that night with a little boy. And no one's heard from him since. Maybe he got murdered too. Or maybe he's the one that killed the little girl. What? And is still on the loose. Oh my. <gasps> I mean, it's been 20 years, so who gives a shit? But that is terrifying. So that actually leads right into... That guy that we were just referring to is a fucking asshole, the guy with the guitar. Mm-hmm. This is his big moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he hears this scary story, and this is his response, and... Dear well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you play the clip, <laughs> sure, uh, we should we should set this up a little bit better. So he hears a story. First off, he uh, he uh, I don't know if if you have this part in there or not, but he um, talks about how she probably she might cut her own head, head off. off. Yeah, that's in okay, here. <laughs> okay, good, good. Go for it. We got the whole thing. Let's listen to it. Well, I don't believe any of it. I mean, I think the girl cut her own head off. <laughs> Right. And now she's trying to pin the rap on the little boy. <laughs> Nobody would cut their own head off. Well, speaking of head. It's not true. I've heard stories. <laughs> Let's go swimming. I don't have my suit. I don't want to go swimming with your swimsuit, Joanne. God, what an asshole. Well, I know. In that case. <laughs> she totally goes for it. So... Yes, so that's what happens. He turns this... Fu- For one thing, that joke he made about her cutting off her own head makes no sense, yep. and it's fucking lame, and somehow he transitions into suggesting that his girlfriend give him head, and she... <laughs> it totally works! It's the worst goddamn thing in the world. And, I, and actually, and then we get another Hank's uh, moment of um, uh, com- comic relief where he tries to pull the same thing with his girl... And she goes, well, I didn't bring my swimsuit. And he goes, you don't see no dolphin with a swimsuit. <laughs> so, so His um, fails, by the way. <laughs> so Joanne and this douche, uh, I think his name is either Barris or Ferris. It, I couldn't tell what they were Ferris. calling Yeah, so let's not save Ferris. Let's see him die in this very scene. <laughs> so she strips down uh, to her panties. Uh, and but stays there to go swimming in the water, which seems like at that point you might as well just go the rest of the way. But it's a movie, uh, and so she heads into a very very foggy lake, mm. and then someone in a Halloween mask grabs Ferris and lifts him up in in like lifts him up uh, into the air against a tree, and then he stabs him in the neck with a machete. Yeah, I actually kind of like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pre- I thought it, it was, was a pretty right. cool scene. Uh, especially compared to what happens now, which is Joanne, who's in the water, though she's like she's not very deep. She's splashing around in the most ridiculous goddamn way, where like, her just arms are just splashing up and down in a way that people in movies do, but no one in real life ever right. would. Halloween mask guy comes up behind her in the water, mind yeah. you. She did not hear someone. Hear I guess that's. I I bet that they were on set, and they were like, "He comes up behind you," and she's like, "How?" Or someone's like, "How could she possibly not hear that?" 
They're like, well, I guess you'll be splashing like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so then he grabs her head and twists her head around. They do this by <laughs> having her turn around, but they have it edited. So like, have like she suddenly. I think it's probably they have it with her her her, her shirt on backwards. Oh, she's not wearing a shirt. Uh, no, so they yeah, just have... she just turns her head, but, but they right. use some like uh, practical effect on her neck to show it all twisted out of shape. I actually thought that looked pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it looked okay. All right, well, we're all cool with the violence. Yeah, yeah. Well, the so, violence. This was the one a... thing I don't have a problem with in this movie. This was a very timely piece of violence as well because it's been a while since anything right. happened, right? Since the beginning of the exactly. movie, really. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're almost an hour in now at this point, and like this is only like the like the second piece of real violence happening. It's all it's all been shitty country comic relief at this point. Yeah, but it's it is all gearing up to the final sequence, which is just about to start at the Halloween. When the movie starts to get good. When it actually starts to get interesting, uh, so uh, the next day. They have uh, frat members all uh, all around the campus a- a- advertising the haunted house that's taking right. place. Um, <laughs> I like how Kurt. Kurt is like super pumped about it happening, but he like openly wonders. You know, it's kind of weird that someone would just give us the keys and not tell anything about who they were and right, anything right, like right. that. <laughs> Hanks is like, just don't look a gift horse in the mouth, basically. Um, Hanks also mentions in this conversation that Joanne and Ferris didn't come back after they went into the water. They they didn't call the police or anything like that. They apparently didn't think it was that big of a deal that they just vanished. No, they just assumed they... that they were off fucking. But wouldn't you also assume the possibility of them drowning? No. <laughs> no, I guess. So Mel shows up, and she's actually acting kind of normal to Kurt. But Kurt, of course, is a complete fucking tool. And he says, like, why don't you go talk to Bentley? Oh, is that what that guy's name was? Bentley, like the car. Oh, God. And she goes, maybe I'll do more than talk. She means blow him. <laughs> Does she? Do you, th- do you think that's what she means? <laughs> maybe that's what she. Maybe means. I'll do more <laughs> than talk. It, in in one of the apps, I'm surprised you didn't grab that as an audio clip because that's one of the worst delivered lines in like the entire movie. <laughs> maybe I'll do more than talk. Well, Mel is awful. In Just this. nonstop. She's terrible. She's really, and it's funny because she's one of the few people in this movie who's gone on to a significant career afterwards. Uh. Though I, I should mention that most of that career involved taking her clothes hey. off. Where, where acting isn't as important. We get a quick shot of Eddie inside the haunted house, and he's painting the kill room on the wall of one of the uh, the rooms, which will become important in just a little. Which bit. is a uh, shot that we had actually got a quick glimpse of earlier in the film at the very beginning. I, th- I believe it's actually the the title screen. That's yeah. true. So, so they're just giving everything away. Now we get the best part of the entire movie. Closing a, credits. Someone, <laughs> someone filming a TV screen on which the classic 80s game show Pressure Luck is playing. No whammies. No whammies. No whammies. Big money. No whammies. If you've ever heard that before, you are old like Mo and me. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so so I don't know. They probably didn't get permission to have Pressure oh, Luck on no, probably TV. probably not. I would much rather watch 90 minutes of Pressure Luck episodes than the rest of this movie. But what happens here is that Kurt comes downstairs and it's Bentley who's watching watching Pressure Luck. And Bentley, of course, is currently seeing Mel in some capacity. And Kurt is very upset at him, though he has no right to be because Kurt said he doesn't give a shit. But I guess he secretly does care. Here's the thing about Bentley. 
Bentley has one of the most fucked up looking faces I have ever seen. That's awfully judgmental of you. It's very judgmental. I agree. I'm, especially I, I especially for us being a couple of guys with pretty fucked up looking faces ourselves. Right, but that's what I'm yeah. saying, Mo. Considering how fucked up you <laughs> this guy, this guy has such a long chin. Yeah. It, he looks like Mac tonight, <laughs> which is another wow. Yeah, <laughs> pulling out some old shit. What was that early nineties, yeah. right? He's got like a moon shaped head. You know what else I but, thought he looked not like? even like like yeah, like not like not like what you would expect when somebody says like your moon face, you know, like where you have like right. a big wide fat uh, flat face. Yeah, this is like a a sliver. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, he looks like a fucking like crescent moon. That's on right. Side. I thought he looked like this is going to be obscure. If you've ever seen the movie UHF, Which I have. There's a part in that movie with the where guys they, who are like. The, rrr, 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 rrr. Oh no! They do look like the Gibber Gibber twins. Is that what they're called? That's that's good. Uh, I was thinking they do a parody of Money for Nothing oh, okay. in that, and the weird Al character in that the CG character in that Money for Nothing, his head is all flat with a giant yeah. chin, and that's all I could think when I was seeing this guy. He looks like if they took you know when Bruce Campbell in Army of Darkness gets his face sucked into See, the that, book for that's a second, the first it, thing I thought of. Yeah, yeah. Was, was this guy kind of looks like a a really fucked up looking Bruce Campbell? Yeah, he does actually. Well, well done, sir. Well done. Well, I'm glad we got to the bottom of yeah, that. I'm glad <laughs> I spent five minutes making fun of this dude's face. So Kurt uh, is basically face. <laughs> so Kurt is basically an asshole to this guy, and his response was that he wasn't going to do anything with Mel. But now, well, let's listen. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. I wasn't going to do anything. But now, now I think I'll bone her. <laughs> Man, you're not even worth it. <laughs> Sorry, that's Kurt saying you're not even worth it. So instead of beating the shit that's out of that some, dude. That is some serious, like, early 90s delivery right there. <laughs> now I think I'll bone her. <laughs> What's wrong, McFly? <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, McFly, so, uh, Bojo. <laughs> So, um, th- you know, mentioning, uh, w- there's been a lot of Back to the Future talk lately because of the anniversary, right? Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went, uh, I went to see the movie Crimson Peak a few days ago, uh, and I liked it very much. And, but they were showing a uh, marathon of all three of the movies at the movie theater, the Back to the Future movies. Ooh. And in front of the cinema was a DeLorean with a flux capacitor and a bunch of like props and shit from the movie nice. and people dressed like the characters from the movie and I was so excited and I'm like ah oh, I wish I was hanging out with these guys <laughs> instead of going to see this movie but that was a tangent that didn't need to be said it's time for the haunted house yeah the haunted house is starting people are arriving and hanks I mean, I got to give credit to this guy. He's a fucking workhorse, and he takes the shitty job of just accepting money at the front and and telling people to go in without having to be able to enjoy any of the festivities. Yeah, he's got the Eddie position. Yeah, he's got the Eddie position. So in 20 years, watch out for an old-ass Hanks. Hey, this is like 20 years from this movie. Hey, man, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> uh, so someone tries to sneak in a bunch of people because you pay per, I guess, carload, like at a drive-in. And no, there it's, are people it's like- per head. Is it per yeah, it's per head, that's right. But there are people hiding underneath coats. Yeah. So uh so they're trying to sneak in and he's like, Oh that, what are you doing? I don't know why. Um, just, uh, here's the part that doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you just have him set up at the door? Yeah, no kidding, it, like, right? Like why why is there a giant gate at the front? It, like just set up at the door. That that way you wouldn't even have to worry about the number in the fucking right? right? 
Yeah, to... that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and it doesn't really play into anything either. Huh. Um, so we do get a look at what this haunted house is comprised of. And uh, it is exactly as... <sighs> It's exactly as both lame and oddly inspired as you might expect. Well, I, I, I personally, I'm a big fan of the sexual assault wall. <laughs> so there's a wall that is basically a bunch of holes in this wall. <laughs> uh, and uh, on the other side are a bunch of frat guys Reminds with gloves, like monster glove. <laughs> and they all, as, as people are passing by, uh, women mostly, um, they reach out and grab them. No, it's uh, even worse than that. There's, there's like somebody announces over the please stand against the wall. That's right. They make them stand against the wall, yeah. and then they like, and they don't just grab them. They actually reach around them and pull them against the wall, and totally and sexually assault. Them. There's a lot of boob grabbing. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually terrible. <laughs> that is it. awful, but also semi believable oh, <laughs> that it could guys, actually exist. Absolutely. Uh, then we get that one of the, uh, and probably my favorite thing that's happening inside this haunted house, is there's a crazy doctor. Uh, and he looks like, so- he acts just like someone out of a Tachit's movie. Yeah. Where he's like, he's like operating on all these screaming women, and he's making a bunch of stupid puns as he's doing it. And let's listen to a little bit of that routine. Yes, please. I am dying over here. Screaming again. Screaming makes me tense and I lose my patience. Yeah, because firing a flamethrower inside a building is super safe. It is good that they establish that a flamethrower exists because that will come into play a little bit later. But yeah, this fucking doctor shoots a flamethrower towards the crowd. He then proceeds. He then proceeds to comically saw a woman in half. Um, It's it's weird because the crowd, and this happens for the whole. The entirety of the movie, because like an earlier when um, when he was doing the preacher impression and all the crowd were like super impressed and laughing at him, they react not like how people would react to things. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they'll look look disgusted at something that really isn't disgusting at right, all. Right, right. So uh, the woman who's getting sodden half, she wants to take a break because she I guess, she I guess she's been there for a while, so she needs to go outside and take a piss. Yeah, which is weird because why would there not be a bathroom in the house? You think there would be probably a necessity by law yeah. to have a bathroom. Uh, but uh, she decides that she's, instead of looking for a bathroom, just going to piss on the ground like some sort of fucking animal. <laughs> <laughs> so she crouches and pisses. And um, the killer, who... Uh, uh, I don't know why he kills the people he kills, like what the motivation is at there's this point. There's none. There's no motivation. I mean, there's only, yeah. there's only one person that he has any motivation for killing. Uh, well, a couple. You know, like the actual brothers, because for some reason he blames... You know the Sigma, whatever uh, guys, you know, on him killing the girl when he was a kid. I don't, I don't get how like how that links together. But I guess you could blame it on his insanity. But here, so he pulls up this, he picks up this girl, and he, this is really awkwardly edited. He picks her up and throws her upwards towards the tree and knocks her unconscious on a branch. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty. Because there's it. way less effective ways of knocking someone out. I mean, I guess he could have just punched her in the fucking face. Yeah, he could have just punched her in the back of the head. And then uh, he drags her. There's like a secret entrance uh, that he used at the very beginning of the movie that he brings these people back into the house through. Mm-hmm. So then we uh, get another kind of um, array of people being tortured in the haunted house. Again, it's all fake. The people on a rack. And um, uh, and it doesn't actually seem very scary at all. No. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, 
And uh, then one of the people from this array, they also want to take a break. They go outside to get a beer. Uh, and while they're doing that, the masked guy, uh, Eddie, he comes over, pumps the keg a few times <laughs> for that, some reason. Thanks, brother. And he just does what we just suggested. He just punches the fucking dude in the face right. and drags him inside. Yeah. So just to explain to you listeners, what Eddie is doing is he's bringing these people inside to make them part of a haunted house attraction that he is in control of, basically getting to murder them in front of people yeah. who think it's all part of a show a la blood-sucking freaks. Mm-hmm. Boy, I wish they went further on that in that direction. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that, that would have been way more interesting and fun. So Mel, who's still very upset about this whole Kurt situation, she's with Bentley. Uh, and Bentley, who, as we remember, he has decided he's going to bone her. He's he going to bone her. Bone her. He asks her to slip outside out to his van. <laughs> and it's fun. It's funny. Like every time somebody decides they're going to go outside, like you just immediately know that it's not going to bode well for them. <laughs> it's not going to bone well for him. Wah, wah. <laughs> so that's going to happen in just a minute. But while that's happening, people are wandering around inside the haunted house. I mean, they must have advertised this thing very well because there are people from all walks of life. So we see Eddie. Yeah, there's everybody from Country Bumpkin to Country Bumpkin. That's right. But some of them are young Country Bumpkins. That's true. So we are now, there are now, the, the crowd has arrived at the kill room that Eddie has set up. I don't know what would have been there previous, right? It, it does look like all the crowd going through the house has to stop to look at this area. <laughs> well, no, they didn't because remember that door was boarded up before. Oh, okay. So he's opened it up. Yeah, they never unboarded it. It wasn't going to be part of the room, uh, part of the house. Um, so so he onboards the room and because remember you keep hearing people say oh there's still one more room right you know? then that begs a very important question Mo what's that this kill room is decorated with movie posters <laughs> <laughs> so are we to believe that Eddie has gone out to get these movie posters to decorate the room it's it's a poster for Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four mm-hmm. uh, there's a the sp- best one <laughs> I like Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four um, of course you do and then there's a, a stand up. Leatherface, like uh, one that you get at a video store, probably from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, it looks like. Could, mm-hmm. be, could be three, I guess. Um, and then I think there's a poster for Graveyard Shift in there. Ooh. Oh, ooh. But uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. I just like to mention the posters that are there. No, it totally makes sense. So he's like posing for the crowd. Like literally he's playing to the crowd who are watching it. And the girl who got knocked out on the branch, she's there. And she wakes up and she starts screaming that it's all real. Uh, but of course, the crowd thinks that it's all part of the show, and this is which is actually one of the most clever things about the entire movie. Absolutely, that, yeah. yeah. Maybe the only clever thing about the entire movie. And it sounds like this. This isn't part of the house. This guy is a killer. This is for real. Man, she's a good actress. She can really act. She is good. It looks so real. But yeah, so the kids are like, it looks so real. She's so, so good. Real. And then the guy grabs a chainsaw. Eddie grabs a chainsaw and revs it for the crowd. And then he saws like the back of her neck, but it looks really not good for some reason. No, it's probably one of the worst like kill effects in the film. Then he has another piece of set preparation that he's put together, which is a big sign that he pulls down that says kills, strikes, and balls on it. Yeah, it's a big like baseball, baseball thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the other dude, the guy who, from, at the keg from outside, he then wakes up, and then Eddie uh, basically goes through a, an array of weapons that he has available, and one of them is a spiked baseball bat Ooh. that he really should have used. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I do like how this whole thing plays out. First, he takes a baseball and he shoves it into the guy's mouth. And then uh, the crowd says, someone in the crowd says, batter up, dude. Batter up. <laughs> and Eddie takes a bat, just a regular bat, and he bats the guy's head off. Well, but he, he does a couple. He, he plays up to the audience. He does play up to the audience. He does. Yeah, he, he, pre- throws, he throws a couple of swings and misses. And, and you hear people going, strike one. You know, this was the greatest effect in the movie. It actually looks really good. It was really, really good. And it's a total crowd pleaser because the yeah. crowd loved seeing that guy's head get knocked off. Yeah. Ba- basically, from the moment that the kill room stuff starts through the end of the movie, it's like the only good part of the movie. Like it's it's a lot of fun. Well, if you're gonna have a good part of the movie and a not so good part, it's good to put the good part at the end, unless yeah, right, unless right. you never make it to the end. <laughs> <laughs> but we always do. Yeah. So Kurt, this is like supposed to be at the end of the night. Uh, I guess Eddie decided to wait quite a while to start killing people. There's uh, a uh, there's a passing uh, there's a passing moment in the film that makes me kind of chuckle. Oh, that made me chuckle when when I heard it. Uh, somebody was coming out of the house, and they just said, and they said that the house gave them a myocardial infarctment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's that's an awful tech. That's an awfully technical term for uh, for a bunch of fucking country folk. But hey, are you a northerner? Yeah, um, you one of them Yankees? Give me a myocardial infarctment. There's also like a group of people all talking about how it was the scariest haunted house they've ever seen. So I maybe maybe. It, Maybe people in Kentucky are just easily scared. Maybe. So, Bentley, remember him? The guy with the long face? Nope. I... <laughs> Mac, Mr. Mac tonight. Uh. He, he's in his van waiting for Mel to arrive, and he gets frightened by a friend of his. Basically, the van starts to rock, and he gets a little bit freaked out, but he finds out that it's his friend wearing the killer's original mask because Eddie has actually changed his mask since all of this started. Yeah. He, in fact, the friend even says that he found it in the house. This friend is such a tool. <laughs> also, yeah. his voice kind of sounds like Pee Wee Herman, and let's see if we can hear it in this clip, if he does sound like Pee Wee Herman, if it's just me thinking that. Man, you scared the shit out of me. Hey, aren't you supposed to be at the house? I'm taking a little break. Mel's coming out to join me. Mel? You and Mel got something going? Now, with you around, <laughs> dickhead, get out of here. Well, okay, but you owe me a good story later, asshole. No, he totally sounds like Pee Wee. <laughs> he's got a he's got a Pee Wee edge to his voice. Yeah, no, no, he totally sounds like fucking Paul Rubens. It's it's pretty funny. <laughs> fucking dickhead. <laughs> okay, so immediately after that, uh, the killer actually puts a noose around Bentley's neck and drags him off. Good. And uh, we see Kurt, who's there going through the house with a friend of his, and he actually sees Mel inside the house. I guess she's working at one of the attractions. She walks off, and he goes after her. So they end up talking outside, and he finally tells her he loves her. Which he's been treating her very badly for someone who professes to love her, but love makes us do stupid things, right? Sure. So they immediately make out, uh, and I'm sure Bentley would not be very happy to discover all of this. (laughs) And she she says something to him like, "You never lost me. You had me the whole time. You just didn't, you just know, didn't it. know it. <laughs> Whatever." So they're having this conversation, and then Eddie comes up behind him and gives him the old noggin knocker. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so he slams their fucking heads together and just knocks them unconscious. 
So that's what I, lo- what I love is the way he's getting people back into the house is through this vent on the outside. The same right. way he got it, he got into the house with the, the first time. He's a giant dude. Mm-hmm. He could barely fit into that vent when he was a kid, and yet somehow <laughs> I'm supposed to believe he's dragging limp bodies through this thing <laughs> two at a time in this two case. At a time, yeah. <laughs> oh, you babe. So Hanks, at the very entrance, he's reading a Playboy, and he decides, you know what, no more people are coming. I'm going to go check out the haunted house before it closes for the day. Yeah, thank, thank goodness he does. Thank goodness indeed. So the killer has Mel, Kurt, and Bentley all tied up in his kill room or whatever. And uh, the crowd is there watching it, the remaining crowd, and they are screaming for blood. <laughs> they, want, they want to see these people killed so badly. Some serious mob rules going on here. Because you see, the crowd in this case is a commentary on the audience for horror movies. Oh, you bet. Who, who, who thirst for blood. It's like that movie Funny Games. Really, uh-huh. really, the people who are on trial here are, are us, the audience. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to give us what we want. So... I can't believe you just compared this to funny. <laughs> so then Bentley takes a remote control and pauses the movie. Um, Bentley is in a noose, right? Just like before. Mm-hmm. Kurt is in an electric chair, and Mel has been duct taped to the wall. Where she belongs. <laughs> and uh, and so, th- so the first thing that Eddie does is he takes a knife, or uh, like a scalpel, mm-hmm. and uh, he slices her stomach. And then he slices her wrists, and Kurt is losing his shit. He's going, no! Uh, and, he's, and also, Eddie's, like, dancing for the crowd while he's doing this. Uh, this is, I mean, it's, it's not a great, I mean, it's a fine-looking effect. It's just that it, there's not much to it. But it looks like he, like, kills her in this scene. I thought that's what was happening. But he, right. he doesn't, really. Uh, at least it doesn't seem that way. We don't really get a lot of follow-up in what's about to happen. Then he throws a switch on the wall, which... I guess the electric chair that he has is a semi-working electric chair because it sends an electric shock through Kurt. Right. Also, not killing him. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just saying, you're an electric chair, he throws a switch, you think it would kill him. Well, it's a low voltage. Yeah, maybe it's it's like that movie Shocker. Um, So then Hanks, remember Hanks? Mm -hmm. Him and three girls, they're going in, they're the last people going into um, into the haunted house, and he gets a real kind of he gets a real sense of what it's like to be molested by the molesting wall. Right. I don't know why they decided to put this in the fucking movie, but that's what's happening in the most like tense, violence-filled part. We get to see some people felt up by a fucking wall. Um, okay, so Bentley's getting hung, and we get my favorite uh, crowd reaction line in the entire movie. Some dude really wants to see Bentley hung, and this is how he expresses that. Yeah. <laughs> hang him, let him hang yeah. <laughs> We want blood Kill, um, Kill the witch So I don't think Bentley dies here either Yeah, he doesn't actually Because I know what happens in just a second So all three of them, it seems like they're in really bad position um, So Hanks, who's watching it Because he helped design, I guess, the attractions He knows immediately that it's not part of the show <laughs> And so he decides that he's going to do something about it in the process of doing that, he alerts the other people that it's not part of the show. Right. There's a woman who screams, oh, my God, he's really killing them. And everyone <laughs> loses their shit. They all start running around like maniacs. <laughs> which is which is so funny that, like, nobody believes the people in the, you know, 
in the, 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 the room, but then it's like one guy shows up from the outside and everybody's like, yeah, he is shouting fire in a crowded theater, except he then follows it up by grabbing a flamethrower. <laughs> so Hanks, who is now our hero for the rest of this movie, right? He grabs the flamethrower from the other room and he bursts in and burns Bentley down from the noose. And then he helps Mel and Kurt escape. The killer has like a trap door in the floor that he's able to hide in. So the killer immediately goes into the floor. Eddie, the killer, pops up for a second and Hanks fucking sprays him with fire. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, but that's the crazy part is why would, like, why would he pop his head back up? <laughs> right? Why would he do that? And then fucking Hanks goes, I cooked him like one of mom's home cooked biscuits. Of course. So they go outside and collapse. Kurt is holding on to Mel as you can hear the cops arriving in the background. Remember, there was like the sheriff earlier. Didn't play into this movie at all. Um, and then we discover that the killer, even though he's been burnt, uh, Eddie, he is still alive. And he right. he actually gets into a, a, a barn where his van is and he bursts out of the barn in his van and he starts driving through the field. And he even stops for a second to stab the wheels of the police cars so they can't catch up to him. Yeah, right. <laughs> so this is where this is Kurt's hero moment right now. He does what anyone would do in this situation. He reaches into a cop car. Pulls a shotgun out of it and starts running after the van. <laughs> what I what I want to know is where's the cop? I know. Like a cop car shows up, but they never once show a cop. I like how they have a cop car with all the windows down and a gun with live ammunition just within reach. Yeah. <laughs> so And then and then the other part that makes no sense is the part we're coming up to now. Oh yes. Where where then Kurt, our, our uh, you know, hirsute hero, um, <laughs> takes off running after the van and catches up with it. He catches up to it. He gets in front of it. Yeah. So the I guess he, he knew the shortcut. So uh -huh. this is also where we get the shot, finally, of Eddie taking off the mask, and we see that half his face is burned up from right. the uh, flamethrower. So Kurt is on the street. He shoots the van... In fact, what happens, he's on the street, the van is coming towards him, just about hits him. He turns around, the van is going away from him, he shoots it twice, and it explodes. It just explodes. And I gotta admit, the van exploding is kind of a cool-looking effect. It was pretty great. And then we're like, oh, this is the end. But then, the van just starts driving off on fire. And I, and I thought that was pretty cool, too. That was actually really, really cool. Yeah. So the van sort of just drives across a field while it's fucking, like, crazy on fire. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> the end, the closing credits. <laughs> the killer will be on fire forever, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... That leads directly into the closing credits. I apologize for that hyena laughing just then, by the way. <laughs> Shut up, salacious crumb. <laughs> uh, uh, and we do get a little burst of this great Halloween, sorry, not Halloween, Haunted Ween theme song that sounds a little like this. Oh, yeah. Don't worry, we don't have the whole thing. <laughs> Haunted Ween, like like the movie. The party, just like we saw in the movie. Oh. 
I gotta tell you, man, this song on 1.5 speed, hilarious. <laughs> They're dying to start the show. Dying has a double meaning there. Oh, I get it. And it goes on like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta tell you, this song, probably the most clever thing about the entire <laughs> Well, uh, what else was notable about the closing credits, Mo? Um, that there's, uh, like, behind-the-scenes set photos playing, mm-hmm. showing during the credits. I like that. I like that sort of thing. Yeah, I like that, too. I mean, there's some movies maybe it wouldn't fit, depending on the tone. But for something like this, then why not? Show that there was effort put into it. Hey, right. it's, it's not like fuckface uh, killer clowns from Kansas on crack saying, Hey, if we were drunk the whole time, so don't blame us. Bah, bah. Bah, bah. We hate you. But what else is incredibly notable about the end credits, the very last thing we see during the end credits? I don't know. I stopped. I, that's okay. <laughs> oh, I don't pay nearly as close attention to the end credits as you do. Well, you should have, because it ends with saying, coming soon, Haunted Ween 2. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> and, and that never happened. Well, I actually think, um, because the version that we're, uh, of the film that we're watching is actually from the uh, special edition, that uh, because it says a copyright at the end from 2011. So uh, it's possible that these credits were redone, and maybe we should be expecting a Haunted Ween 2 any minute now. Oh, God. So we'll keep our eyes and ears open for that. Mo, I'm under the impression that you did not care for 1991's Haunted Ween. Well, you know, here's the thing, is that the first, uh, say, hour or so of the movie, I had a very hard time getting through. Um, in fact, I was... Uh, uh, PMing a friend of mine um, while I was watching the movie and just kind of like complaining the whole time to them. They actually saved me during this movie because like that first hour is so painfully like not good. Like I'm not even going to say straight up bad, just like not good, you know, if that makes any sense. That uh, that I had a very hard time getting through a good chunk of it, but then once the action started up at the end, like it didn't necessarily save the movie for me as such, but it made it, it made at least it ended on a high note, and uh, and I could walk away with it thinking to myself, okay, that wasn't so bad. Like I could probably sit down and watch this with some friends and some beers and stuff, right. and, pro- and probably enjoy it. I think, and this is maybe my own prejudice. When we watch a shot-on-video movie from the 80s or early 90s, in my mind, I'm comparing it to other shot-on-video movies. But when I see a movie like this shot on 16, I'm comparing it, because it looks like the movies that we saw in the 80s, to the slasher movies of the 80s. And and that's... Look, compared to a lot of the shot-on-video movies, like something even like Blood Cult, right? Which is... um, You know, it's it's comparable, probably sort of budgetary. Um, This movie's a lot more polished. It's a lot better... It, it it moves along at a faster pace. It's a better movie, but compared to most of the of the well known slasher movies of the eighties, it seems kind of amateurish, right? Especially the acting and stuff like that. Right, right. So I enjoyed Haunted Ween for what it is, especially as a kind of a respite from some of the the really junky stuff we have to watch on this show because it's so different than a lot of that. But from the perspective of someone who doesn't like slasher movies very much, and this is kind of a Imitation, but also a sort of poor version of one of those, I didn't really enjoy it. But mm-hmm. I recognize that there was actually talented people involved in that. I'm actually a little sad that Doug Robertson didn't go on to make more movies, because if this was his first, and he did show some talent there, 
That right. mean, he absolutely could have gone on to do bigger and better things. I was on oh, the, yeah. I was, on, I was on the Haunted Ween official website today, and uh, there's an interview, a little snippets from, uh, from Doug Robertson about the movie. And it ends with him saying that if it was released today, he thinks the movie would have gotten a PG-13 instead of an R. Do you think that's the case? No. Um, I in, No, I don't think so at all, because there are multiple sets of breasts in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe language-wise, there wasn't so much terrible language in it. What about it. that guy who said he's going to bone her? Yeah, but even that, like... What he about head? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't... Even that, like, I don't think... I don't think... those. That's all implied stuff that's not even... Like, I mean, I bone her is not implied, but I mean, <laughs> you know, it's he didn't say he's going to fuck her. You know, he said, I'm going to bone her. And I think, you know, that sort of language is okay, and I think that it wouldn't have been too bad on the ratings board at least but the breasts would have done it in i think i think you could make a case that with a couple of snips that this could be easily pg-13 oh yeah very easily yeah, yeah. but the uh, problem is but the problem is, is you're cutting out most of the fucking eye candy the like the like the only thing keeping you going until the action starts <laughs> exactly also who cares who the fuck is dying for there to be a pg-13 horror movie i mean i know that there are lots of pg-13 horror movies that are good but yeah. i just mean it's like it's not like you're not you're not increasing your audience in 2015 by making by slicing your horror movie down to a PG-13 rating. Right, exactly. It just isn't going to happen. So that is Haunted Ween from 1991. I think actually mo that again we're very very similar response to this movie, which is just that there isn't enough to to generate interest in the first hour, but the last half hour kind of makes up for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But but I think the kind of the biggest flaw in the movie is that we just don't care about any of the characters at all. Um, that that's the biggest problem. Yeah. And I mean, like the, the the comic relief isn't funny, but also the main character. I didn't care if Mel ended up with Kurt or Fuckface, uh, yeah. Longface. Uh, I didn't care, right? I mean, who? They don't seem. One does not seem notably superior to the other in any way exactly so uh, and also there's no resolution i don't know if mel dies at the end or not (laughs) yeah right exactly (laughs) they don't tell you and you don't care no we don't care but i guess we will have to look out for eddie's return in haunted ween 2 coming uh coming soon to a cinema or straight to dvd or something i don't know man all i know is that we're dying to start the show we are dying to start we're, the show. We're just dying. So that is 1991's Haunted Ween. Yes, Mo. Yes. Uh, we are, in just a few minutes, going to have a uh, terrific Haunted Ween song from Rue. Uh, we know this for a fact because we've already both listened to it. We have I, it. It's going to happen. I haven't listened to it yet. Well, we're going to be playing it at the end of this episode, and it's terrific. I, I have it. I could totally listen to it whenever, but I just haven't listened to it yet. And I didn't want to ruin anything of the movie for me, so I didn't. I didn't listen to it yet. Ruin his spoiler-filled song. Yeah, man, and he like, and he he like was so on his game this 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 time around too. Like he had, like he had the the song prepared like before I had even content before I even had a copy of the movie in my possession. Right, he had already had the song written. I'm like, oh. Can't listen to this yet. <laughs> well, uh, and also, Rue has proposed the idea that he will actually write songs for two early No Budget Nightmares episodes that have not, yeah. at this point, had songs for them. We are not going to hold him to this promise. I'm it, going to. Okay, good. Because the movies chosen on the poll over at the No Budget Nightmares Facebook uh, group poll. were, it ended up being, uh, from no small influence from Mo and myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
that they will end up being uh, hip hop locos. Yes. And terror tunes. Hmm. Yeah. So that'll be an interesting array of music. I uh, hear the terror tunes. So. Uh, I think both are going to be amazing. <laughs> And please, of course, if you do want to go back and listen to our terror tunes or uh, <laughs> or hip hop locos, our very first episode, you can do that. Mo, how would you someone go about and do that? Oh, they can go right to our website at uh, which you mentioned earlier, uh, nobudgetpodcast.com. That's right, and they can also find both of us on the social media. You are on Twitter at drunk on VHS, all one word, and I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. You can also, of course. Uh, as I mentioned just a moment ago as well, go over to our Facebook group. Lots of conversation about low-budget and micro-budget filmmaking. And you can also get a lot of the behind-the-scenes aspects of our episodes as they come together. Uh, and, uh, Mo, of course, you have your Strange Vapes. I watched your latest vaping video, in fact. Uh, mm-hmm. Enjoyed it very much. Uh, and that is, if you are a vaping enthusiast, Mo tries a lot of strange-flavored vapes. And, then, and it's a video series over on the YouTube. Mm-hmm. Anything else to promote, Mo? Um... Well, I mean, if you are a vapor, uh, you should. There's legislation. A vapist, I think, is. The yeah, word. yeah. If you're, if well, whatever. <laughs> I'm a serial vapist personally, but um, if you uh, if you are, you should definitely look into contacting your local lawmakers because there's some real serious federal regulation coming down the line that would essentially end the industry. So, um. We need to take that seriously as a people. March on Washington. Yep. On the next episode of No Budget Nightmares, we are going to be moving on to something a little bit more recent. Mo, do you remember what that movie is? Oh, yeah, I do. Ha ha. We are going to be covering the uh, much asked for by a couple of in particular people, um, Hobo with a Trash Can. This is an anthology film just released. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I think it, it is just in within the last few weeks. We were uh, offered a screener of Hobo with a Trash Can, and uh, we jumped at the opportunity to yeah. watch it. In fact, uh, a number of people who are involved with the making of this movie, uh, Stephen Granger, Tanya Atomic, uh, are people who are friends of the show, yeah. Llewellyn, people who have, have, have been good supporters of us. And, and, not, and not even just friends of the show, like personal friends of ours. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so people that we really do like to see supported. But also, absolutely. this is another like a, a micro-budget anthology film 2015, I mean, this is a great opportunity for us to showcase some of the filmmakers that we really like, but also some that we don't know that much about. Yeah, I think, like it's a great, to... I think it's a great idea. I think it's a good thing that we're covering it, um, and I appreciate that they gave us the opportunity to. Absolutely. Just shows that it goes to um, show. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <clears throat> it's, it's just proof that if you contact us via the website in a way that isn't insulting me personally that all sorts of good things can come of that yeah but sometimes insulting you personally can bring about good things as well Mm, that's a good point like a terror tune song (laughs) yeah exactly like as long as as long as you're not insulting me you know then then because that bad things happen then but if you insult doug Mm -hmm. then you're golden i can take it is what i'm saying yeah i can i have very thin skin mo has to go momentarily so i'm not going to ask you about all the great things that you've seen Recently, Mo. Unless you I, just got, wanna... I got ten minutes. I, All I... right, then. What have you seen recently that is notable? Uh, let me pull up my uh, my movie mm. list here. Oh, I, I thought you were gonna say your penis. Yeah, let me pull out my dick. <laughs> read 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 my comments off of my. It my says, dick. "Welcome to Jamaica, man." <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Recently, I watched. Um, 
welcome to Jamaica. Have you never heard that joke before? No. It's such, it is a dumb, probably semi-racist joke that oh. I'm not going to get into. Yeah, let's, it, let's not yeah. do that then. Uh, so as of recently, I watched um, Black Mass, which I thought was really good. Oh, right. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I, I uh, watched the uh, the documentary about Whitey Bulger uh, that's on Netflix, and uh, I thought that the subject matter could make a really good movie. I've heard mixed things about it, but I'm certainly interested in it. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know much. Maybe it's because I don't know much about the actual story that I enjoyed the movie so much, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I thought uh, the, the Wicked act- Pisser. Oh, yeah, it's some serious accents in that. Um, <laughs> I watched that movie Dope. I don't know if I mentioned that. Oh, much. yeah. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. Like, I. Like I, I felt like like dope is like what like dear white people could have been, mm. you know. Like I, I don't know. Maybe I just thought like that was a little too political for my taste. But I, I really enjoyed dope. Um, what else did I watch? I watched uh, Tomorrowland. Oh, what did you think? I thought that that was a very very clear defining case of the marketing team ruining a good movie. It seems like Disney have had some issues with that in recent years. Yeah, between Tomorrowland and uh, John Carter of Mars, and mm-hmm. even the Lone Ranger to some extent, though that one is a bit more of a mixed thing. Uh, it 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 seems like they don't know who their audience is. Right, right. I, you know, and like like the way they the way they they sold it. To, to us as an audience and the way that the movie actually panned out or I mean, just so incredibly different and it just kind of makes me sad. It's almost the same way. It's the same thing they did with that movie spy, mm. you know, which I, which when I remember seeing the commercials thinking to myself, this is stupid, you know? And then I watched it. I'm like, this is amazing. Like right. why, why did they not like, why did they not sell it? Like the way the movie actually is, but but yeah, again, Tomorrowland really, truly enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I didn't know what to expect of it going in, like I said, because of what I had seen. Um, but yeah, I thoroughly recommend it. And then lastly, another movie I thoroughly recommend, uh, although is fucking stupid, sad, and crazy tragic, um, was uh, Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone, I, I know lots of people who are yeah. raving about it, but they say that you need to be... You need to prepare yourself for what you're yeah, about to see. Yeah, yeah. I was I watched it at work, and um, man, thank goodness there was like no one there when that movie ended because I was openly weeping, and I'm like, I'm sitting here like in an adult video store, <laughs> you know, like there there are there are dudes, you know, literally like forty feet from me right now, jerking off in the back, and I'm sitting here crying like a little girl. They turn around and then they start jerking a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ooh, tears. Yes. But yeah, I, I, I really I mean that that's probably the best movie I've seen I've seen in a while. I really, really good, but super fucking tragic. Uh as I mentioned before, I saw Crimson Peak recently, the Guillermo del Toro uh, Yeah, what what you think about that? Because I've heard very mixed things about you, it. You know what? A lot of it has to do with again with the marketing and with expectations going in. It is a uh, romance at its core, and mm. it's it's a ghostly romance, but the ghosts are not the purpose of what you're seeing. Okay. Stylishly, of course, it's beautiful. I mean, it's a Guillermo del Toro movie. All of his movies look amazing. This one is no exception. I liked it a lot, but my expectations were already a little lower because their reaction to it, and especially the box office, has been so right. low. I thought it was really good, uh, and I, I I'm looking forward to seeing it again because of of the style and being able to appreciate that. It's certainly there's a lot of, um. 
the kind of filmmakers that we like, especially like uh, the Italian filmmakers like Bava and things like that, there's a lot yeah. of visual references to his work. So if you're into that sort of stuff, you'll certainly find a lot of it there. It's one of those movies that you kind of need to have. You need to have a deeper appreciation of what he's trying to do. Uh, and that only really comes from having experience watching a lot of the movies. Sure, that he's sure. I also watched the documentary Back in Time about the Back to the Future series. Oh, I, need, I need to watch that. I liked it a lot. It's really fucking weird because it doesn't just cover the series. It covers a lot of like offshoots of what the series has created. Like It goes oh. into like all this detail about this guy who made a mini golf course in his outside of his house, which is Back to the Future themed, and he's had like cast members come and play this mini golf thing and he, and he has like charity competitions there. That's it's so weird. Yeah, it it the, the documentary itself gets really weird. I also was really surprised. They have interviews with almost all the main cast uh except for Thomas Wilson who played Biff in the movie. I don't know why he's not in it. It seems like he like him, I mean Chris Glover you probably know why he's not in it, right? Yeah, cuz he's nuts. Well, right. Uh but you know, you got Christopher Lloyd, you have Leah Thompson, you have Michael J. Fox, you have a lot of like secondary characters in there it's just really weird not to have him because he has spoken really openly about it he seems like a really nice guy in interviews and stuff like that yeah i have i have a because i guess he he does stand-up comedy yeah that's right yeah and, 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 I, and yeah. I have friends who have opened for him and, and have said great things about him and like he was on i think he was on uh mark Marin's podcast a few years back and mm-hmm. he came off as like super nice and he had all these stories about 80s comedians and things like that because that's where his kind of core love was yeah, and, he, yeah. He, and he still does like tons of like voice work for cartoons just right. really strange that he wasn't in it but uh, maybe there's a story yeah, there. Not, yeah i was gonna say i'm sure it's just boils down to him not having the time or or not being able to because uh you know because i i went to a uh, a screening of um Actually, I'm glad I'm glad I remembered this uh, before (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I went to a a screening down at Yale of that they did for rewind this. Oh, right. Because Yale recently acquired and I think, you know what, I I give Yale a lot of shit uh, because they they're just eating up the entire fucking city. But um, I, I will give them huge amounts of credit for this. They have recently come into possession of something like 3000. Uh, like cult and horror right. and, ex- and exploitation, like VHS, that they're going to um, make open to the public and available, but they are going to uh, make digital copies, like yeah. uh, what do they call it? Um, conservation, like digital quality copies. Sure. And uh, and, and I th- I think that's amazing. I think that's that's absolutely great that they're doing that. Um, but yeah, so, so they, so, so I got to meet Josh Johnson and the other, uh, I got, I'm so bad with names, but, um, the other two people as well who were uh-huh. involved and that was great. Cause, uh, cause they're, they're awesome people, uh, friends of the show, friends of the show, yeah. Josh Johnson, director of rewind this. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it was cool to, to, to go down to, uh, to Yale and see the, the, the whole thing. And I uh, that was neat. That is that. I mean, it was super cool when he yeah. announced it. I thought it was really neat. Uh, I've I've uh, been lucky enough to spend a little time with Josh uh, and and it's um, and his and his wife as well. Uh, because I, I don't know if I ever mentioned on this, but his wife Jill, my wife, actually knew her, has known her for like twenty years. Oh, that's right. Uh, and and they met each other uh, through kind of like the film festival circuit because because. Uh, uh, his wife was going to a lot of film festivals, but I knew Josh uh, at the time through Daily Grindhouse because he was a writer for it at the very right, beginning. Right, yeah. So I knew him independently of this person that my wife knew, and they ended up getting together. It's so wild. That is really weird. And they also ended up having like the craziest wedding of all time with uh, <laughs> fucking um, uh, what's his name? It's Zach Galligan. 
uh, yeah, Zach Galligan, right? The, uh-huh. He was the officiate on, on their wedding. Wow. Because, because Josh's favorite movie is Gremlins 2. So pretty amazing. That's, that is pretty cool. And he gave me a movie while I was down there because there was a VHS swap meet the next day. Right. And so I went down. I'm like, well, I'm going to buy something off their table, you know, uh, because why wouldn't I? Um, and, uh, and I said, well, what do you recommend? And he'd give me some options and I go, okay, well, how much do you want for that? And he just gave it to me. And I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a movie I'm really super looking forward to watching. I gotta, I gotta grab one of my VCRs and hook it back up again because I need to clean it. And it's, that's a whole thing in and of itself. Sure. But, uh, he gave me this movie called, the uh, called Thunder Warrior. Oh, which I don't know if you're familiar with it at all. Is it at a all. series? Is it a series of? Movies? I don't. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think it is. I think there's three of them. But he gave yeah. me. He gave me the first one, and it basically described it as um, like a Native American Rambo. Oh yeah, I I do know this movie. Actually, yeah. I think I have a copy of at least two of them around here somewhere. But yeah, uh, and and how how I had never seen it before is beyond me because it seems like the sort of thing to be right up my alley. And he describes he 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 says that there's probably one of the best uh explosions like <laughs> in a movie ever in there and I'm like I need to watch this. So so that was cool too. I, I bought a bunch of other movies too, but those aren't as important. All right. Yeah. Well, Mo, it is getting very close to the zero hour here. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I mean, I, I've got 40 minutes before I got to leave, but I still got to get dressed and all that. You got to get dressed, Mo. Mo is naked in front of his microphone right this very yeah, second. Yeah, I'm, I'm rubbing my cock on my computer <laughs> as, we, as we talk. With that image in your mind, <laughs> prepare yourself for Rue's latest masterpiece inspired by 1991's Haunted Ween. Join us in the very near future for Hobo with a Trash Can. We will see you and hear you and feel you soon. Word. Bye-bye. Mother, I think it's time now to go home. It's been 20 long years, but you're leaving me alone. I know you took me away to save me from what i done. But it's time, time, time to go back home But can you ever go back home? October, when the leaves all turn and fall Time when the end of life does call So much has changed since I last stepped past these walls But it's time, time, time for them to fall But do they
have shown them who I am. It's been twenty long years, but I know they understand. I'll be seeing you soon, just as you and I had planned. Since it's time. 